Chapter 20 of The Romance of Modern Astronomy. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. The Romance of Modern Astronomy by Hector McPherson. Chapter 20 Systems of Stars. In the well known constellation of the Plough, there is a bright star known as Miser, or Zeta Ursae Majoris. Close by is an orb much fainter, which is only seen to advantage in a binocular or small telescope. These two stars, Miser and Alcor, form the finest examples in the heavens to the unaided eye of what is known as a double star. Other examples are to be found in Beta Cygni, a magnificent pair of colored suns, which is revealed in a small telescope, and in Alpha Capricorni, which a field glass will show as a double. A considerable number of double stars are known. The first to be discovered telescopically was found in 1664, when an English astronomer, while observing a comet in the constellation Aries, incidentally noticed that the star Gamma of that constellation consisted of two stars close together. For many years it was believed that these double stars were not really double, and that their apparent connection was merely the result of perspective. It was supposed that one star might be millions or billions of miles in space behind the other, and that the two appeared connected only because they happened to lie in the same line of vision. This view was generally held until, in 1802, it was shown by Sir William Herschel that many double stars were real stellar systems. In that year, he announced that in the case of many of these doubles, the two stars were in mutual revolution. In other words, that the law of gravitation extended to the stars. Thus, he showed that the law of gravitation which Newton found applicable to the solar system was not merely a local law, but existed throughout the length and breadth of the universe. To distinguish between mere optical doubles, of which there are a considerable number in the heavens, and revolving stars, he gave the latter the name of binary stars, and this name is retained by them to the present day. Many of the brightest stars in the heavens are binaries. Among them must be mentioned Alpha Centauri, our nearest neighbor in space. Castor, one of the two well-known twins in the constellation Gemini. Sirius, the brightest star in the sky and Procyon, another first-magnitude orb. The detection of the satellites of these two stars reminds us of the discovery of Neptune. In 1844, Bessel, the great German astronomer, discovered that Sirius was being attracted off its path by the action of some unseen body. Orbits were calculated by astronomers, and one calculator assigned a period of revolution of about 50 years to the satellite star. In 1861, the star was discovered close to the indicated spot, and its period of revolution turned out to be about 50 years. In the case of Procyon, the existence of a satellite star was also predicted before it was seen, and the actual period of revolution agrees with that which was deduced by the calculators, a fact which illustrates the remarkable accuracy of astronomical calculation. The number of double stars in the heavens is to be counted by thousands, and the orbits of many of these have been calculated successfully. The greatest names in this department of astronomy have been the Herschels, father and son, the Struves, father and son, and Professor S. W. Burnham of Chicago, 
the greatest living observer of double stars, who has himself discovered over 1,200 of these objects. Thanks to the spectroscopic method of determining motion in the line of vision, mentioned in connection with algol, many double stars have been discovered, the components of which are too close together ever to be separately seen. Miser, in Ursa Major, which with Alcor forms a wide, double, and connected system, was found by Professor E.C. Pickering, by means of the spectroscopic method, to be itself double, and Spica, the brightest star of Virgo, was found to be also double. In the case of the last-named star, the companion is almost completely dark. Since these discoveries were made in 1889 and 1890, quote, the astronomy of the invisible, end quote, as this line of research is called, has come to be regarded as a recognized branch of astronomy, and many of these close double stars are now known. Double stars, that is, telescopic doubles, often exhibit great varieties of color. Perhaps the most beautiful example within the range of small telescopes is Beta Cygni. A view of this beautiful star is a never-to-be-forgotten spectacle. The larger star is reddish-yellow, and the smaller one blue. Antares, a fiery red star in Scorpio, of the first magnitude, is attended by a small green companion star, and there are many other instances. For long it was thought that star colors were merely the effect of contrast. This, however, was disproved by the spectroscopic observations of Sir William Huggins. The colors of the stars are real. A vivid description of the scene observed by a dweller on any one of the planets revolving around these stars is given by the late Mr. Proctor in The Expanse of Heaven. He supposes one of the suns to be blue and the other orange the planet being placed in the same position as the Earth is in our system. There would be an endless variety of sights in the heavens. The blue sun and orange sun might rise together and produce double day, or the blue sun might rise as the orange sun was setting, and there would be no night. In Proctor's own words, quote, The skies must be exceedingly beautiful. Our clouds have their silver lining because it is the light of the sun which illuminates them. Our summer sky presents glowing white clouds to our view, and at other times we see the various shades between whiteness and an almost black hue. But imagine how beautiful the scene must be when those parts of a cloud which would otherwise appear simply darker shine with a fuller blue light or with a fuller orange light. How gorgeous again must be the coloring of the clouds which fleck the sky when one or the other sun is setting. There are infinite varieties of arrangement depending on the relative dimensions of the suns of a double star system, and in their colors there are immense varieties. Yellow and purple suns, red and green suns, suns of gold and yellow, cream white, rose color, and so on. Companion suns of lilac, russet, citron, fawn, buff, and olive hue in endless numbers. I conceive that few thoughts can be more striking and instructive than are those suggested by this infinite wealth of beauty and variety. End quote. It must be clearly borne in mind that these systems are completely different from ours. In the solar system, we have one bright star and a number of planets revolving around it. There may or may not be planets in these systems. 
But if such worlds do exist, they will, as Proctor points out, certainly experience very varied sights in their skies. Double stars of all classes are so numerous in the heavens that it may well be that these systems, long considered an exception, may be as prevalent as the systems of one star and a number of secondary worlds. Flammarion, in his popular astronomy, has the following reflection on double stars, which is worthy of reproduction, so high are the thoughts which it suggests to the mind. Quote, the double stars are so many stellar dials suspended in the heavens, marking without stop in their majestic silence the inexorable march of time, which glides away on high as here, and showing to the earth from the depth of their unfathomable distance the years and centuries of other universes, the eternity of the veritable Empyrean. Eternal clocks of space, your motion does not stop. Your finger, like that of destiny, shows to beings and things the everlasting wheel which rises to the summits of life and plunges into the abysses of death. And from our lower abode we may read in your perpetual motion the decree of our terrestrial fate, which bears along our poor history and sweeps away our generation like a whirlwind of dust lying on the roads of the sky, while you continue to revolve in silence in the mysterious depths of infinitude. End quote. Double stars are not the only type of stellar systems. There are triple, quadruple, and multiple stars. One famous system is Zeta Cancerae. This system has been particularly studied by Professor Seeliger of Munich, who has shown that in all probability, three bright stars in this system revolve round a dark body, apparently the most massive of the four. From multiple stars to groups and clusters of suns is but a step, and in such groups as the Hyades and Pleiades, we have the next step in the scale of stellar systems. The group of the Pleiades is the most famous star group, or indeed cluster, in the heavens. It has been known from the earliest ages, and is referred to in the book of Job and by Greek authors. The Pleiades, which in the winter months is one of the most noticeable objects in the sky, consists of six or seven stars visible to the unaided eye. Of these stars, the largest is known as Alcyone. With a telescope, a great number of stars are to be seen in the Pleiades, and photography has disclosed the fact that many of the principal stars in the cluster are enveloped in nebulous matter. The Hyades, surrounding the bright star Aldebaran, forms a more scattered group of stars. Another interesting group, or rather cluster, is Precipi, or the Beehive, in the constellation Cancer. The grandest clusters in the heavens are only to be seen with the aid of telescopes. Perhaps the two finest in the whole sky are those in Hercules and Centaurus. The cluster in Hercules may be seen with the aid of a small telescope, but it is only to be seen with advantage when a large instrument is applied to it. The Scottish astronomer Nicol of Glasgow remarked that, quote, probably no one who has beheld this cluster for the first time in a telescope of great power can refrain from a shout of wonder, end quote. Let us consider the conditions on a planet situated in the middle of such a cluster as that in Hercules. Such a world would know no night. Day would be everlasting. 
If such a world turned on its axis, sun after sun, blazing with light and heat, would pass across its sky in solemn procession. Indeed, the perpetual state of affairs on such a planet is equal to the spectacle which we on earth should behold if all the stars seen on the darkest and clearest night were to increase in brightness until even the faintest of them shone with a significant radiance to banish night. Herschel considered that this cluster contained 14,000 stars. Omega Centauri, only to be seen in the southern hemisphere, is a closely compressed cluster of thousands of stars. It may be seen with the unaided eye as a hazy star, but a good telescope is required to show it in all its beauty and grandeur. In the southern hemisphere are also situated two remarkable objects, the Magellanic Clouds, individually known as Nubecula Major and Nubecula Minor. Both of these are roughly of a circular form. Mr. Gore says of these two clusters, Quote, the larger cloud covers over 42 square degrees, and when examined with a telescope, is found to consist of upward of 600 stars of the 6th to the 10th magnitude, with numerous fainter ones, and nearly 300 clusters in nebulae. The smaller Magellanic cloud, Nubecula minor, is fainter to the eye, and not so rich in the telescope, end quote. These clusters are in many ways the most remarkable objects in the heavens mighty collections of suns, and probably worlds, at an enormous distance from our world. Here we observe what Tennyson, with scientific accuracy, describes as, quote, clusters and beds of worlds, and bee-like swarms, of suns and starry streams, end quote. End of chapter 20